0: Hello, and thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. As you uh, advance and go and grow in communications, you always find yourself um, meeting some of the most remarkable journalists when you're not in your home state. And I have to say, today's guest, you cannot walk into the state of West Virginia without having a conversation with Hoppy Kirchable. I am thrilled to pieces to have him with me today. Hoppy, thanks so much for making time.
1: Well, Lisa, you're very kind. You're very, I'm flattered. Thank you for asking me.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, as we were chatting ahead of the conversation long, long ago when I worked in the energy space as a spokesperson, we spent a lot of time talking about the resources and the opportunities in West Virginia. And now here we are fast forward 15 years, uh, there is really a lot to talk about in West Virginia. So tell me a little bit about how it is you got started in, in the radio business.
1: Sure. Uh, when I grew up on a farm in Summit Point, West Virginia, it's a tiny little town in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, and it was a farm, and uh, it was out in the country, and, you know, lonely country boy, and at night I'd listen to the radio, And I'd listen to all these uh, great old AM radio stations like WCFL in Chicago and WKBW in Buffalo, and I wanted to be a disc jockey. I wanted to be one of them. And when I was um, uh, about 18 years old, I finally got a job at a radio station uh, in my hometown of Mm -hmm. Charlestown. We moved to Charlestown of uh, being a disc jockey. And the first day I went to work, the person I was replacing handed me a manila folder, and it had some phone numbers on there, fire department, police department, prosecuting attorney, county clerk. And I said, what's this? And he said, well, you're also the news director. And I said, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah. You're the new-. And I said, well, I don't want to be a news guy. What's that mean? And he said, well, you call them every day and see if anything happened. Uh, So I grudgingly I grudgingly started to do that. And what I found out pretty quickly was the news was pretty interesting. The records after you played them about three or four times were boring, Mm. but the news was fascinating. So that lit uh, lit a, um, a spark. And the rest, as they say, is history.
0: How about that? But you are—I yeah. mean, you're—you're you're born and raised. I mean, you, it, it looks to me like you may have even had some time when you were at West Virginia University, doing a little bit of broadcast work, and that's sort of how that—that that started, right? I mean, right into news director, and really starting to become a, a broadcaster, um, really from a very early age. And also, it sounds like almost by accident.
1: Yeah, it was by accident. I, I wanted to be in radio. Radio fascinated me, so I wanted to be in radio. Then I got interested in in radio news and again i was growing up in eastern panhandle and i i went to wvu to study journalism because shepherd college now shepherd university where i went for one year did not have a journalism program so Mm -hmm. i came to wvu studied journalism got a degree got a part-time job at the local radio station doing news became a news director and was news director for a long long time Uh, this was starting way back in 1977 and was news director for a long, long time at the radio station. Then we expanded our company, created the Metro News Radio Network, a statewide statewide radio network, mm-hmm. news director of that. And then X number of years ago, whatever it's been, 20 years, 15 or 20 years, we, uh, we started, um, started this talk show. And then I started hosting a daily, uh, daily talk show, Metro News Talk Line.
0: How fun. And so, and it's, and it's all across the state. So, are there, mul- there must be multiple channels and multiple places people can hear you every day.
1: Yeah, there are. It's, we're on 23 radio stations uh, every day from 10 till noon. And also, you can uh, watch. We have an internet feed on our website at wvmetronews.com. And then uh, we break it down into some smaller podcasts. So, those are available uh, as well.
0: That's so interesting to me. you're the second you're the second radio uh, person that I've spoken to over the course of the last couple of weeks. I find it so interesting and so smart that you're breaking down these conversations into podcast um, really segments, p- opportunities for people, even if they don't want to listen to maybe you know what's the latest on on the governor getting into the race or what's the latest on uh, something else they can. They can identify what the story is or what the segment is that they want to hear about, and they can they can self-select.
1: Yes, and, well, you're doing a podcast, right? So, I yeah. mean, uh, podcasts, obviously, are very popular now, and they can be big long ones. They can be short ones. They can be little segments, and people certainly want the convenience. So um, I, I like it when people listen all or part of 10 to 2 every day, but that not, that's not necessarily convenient for everybody. So they can go to our website, they can listen to, or I tweet out the segments, they can listen to little segments, might only be five to seven, eight minutes long, or they can listen to segments of the show. So it just, we try to make it convenient for people to listen and or watch when it's, when it's, um, when it works for them.
0: Yeah. So how, in your time, I mean, you've been at this for a little while, it's really, The radio world has changed quite a bit. What is it, do you think, that keeps people, especially West Virginia, right? Because there is still, I mean, remarkably, there is still some parts of your state that have less connectivity than, say, others. Is radio really... Talk to me a little bit about the radio relationship between you and your audience. Talk about like the, how that's evolved over time. Cause podcasting, obviously one example, but I have to, I mean, you weren't tweeting when you got started and you weren't blogging and writing like you do. I mean, you're omnipresent there. Talk to me a little bit about that evolution.
1: Well, I think what radio has, has had and continues to try to maintain, uh, even though the industry's changed dramatically is personal relationships with listeners.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: When you are on the radio, whether it's you're a disc jockey or doing news or doing a talk show, people are listening, and and, and when they're listening, they're still leaving something to the imagination. What do you look like? What kind of person are you? uh, maybe you allow a little bit of your personal life to to come out, so the listeners form personal relationships with the people they hear on the radio t v it's kind of all there right I mean, mm-hmm. you see what they look like um it's uh it, it's not to me it's not as personal as as radio is uh and there are more opportunities i mean this morning on the show I was telling. Kind of a personal story. And I just think that when somebody hears that, if they're like listening to you, they feel connected, mm-hmm. they feel connected to you as you would feel connected if you were sitting having coffee with a friend and they mm-hmm. told you something. So even though the industry has changed a lot, I think that that I think that very um, intimate connection is still what's vital. Uh, to- On the morning of August 1st, 1966,
0: Yeah. You know, and that, that also came up in an earlier conversation that, that personal connection. I mean, really people are inviting you into their homes. They're inviting you into their cars. They're inviting you into their, into their ears and their head every day. Um, but there's still, it's like, it feels like a conversation and folks like you who do it well really do make it feel like you're having a conversation one-on-one as opposed to, um, you know, speaking to the masses. Right. And that, cause that sort of, that to me rings, um, mm-hmm. Rings more true. Now that's Bingo um, in the background. He Hi, is a Bingo. he's a rescue, and he has terrible manners. So excuse him while he oh. says hello. <laughs> Hi Bingo. Uh, he's noisy. Um, anyway, so but that's so cool, and I think that that's really what um, what has made your uh, presence in West Virginia so known is that you've really done this in a way that people really do like to connect. But you have had. I mean, you've really had some tremendous guests. I wasn't kidding when I said, if you come to West Virginia, you can't not talk to you to find out what's going on and really talk about what their position is or what they're caring about. Is there uh, a moment in time, a conversation? Is there something that stands out to you in your time doing radio and having these conversations That's that you're especially proud of or that you like to share?
1: You know, that's a really good question, and I I thought you might ask it, and I I do get asked that sometimes, and I usually fumble around, well, as though, and it's a legitimate question, you know, was there this one interview that ranked above all others? I have to tell you that I am, I probably have on a daily basis, because I do a lot of guests and talking to guests, you know, like, you know, five, you know, four to seven or eight guests a day. Oh, wow. And... Um you know, and it might be a United States senator, it might be a school teacher who you know just won an award for Teacher of the year uh it might be a citizen who's fighting for or against something. I think that almost everybody can be interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think I think almost everybody has a story to tell. Not everybody is willing to tell it and not everybody tells it as well as they could. But if you listen closely when people are talking to you, whether it's a guest and you're talking about some weighty subject or something that's a little bit lighter, if you listen closely and ask questions based on what they're telling you, then you might hear, you might well hear something really fascinating and something really interesting. So I would answer it that that there's not one interview that stands out but just hundreds and hundreds of where I was talking to somebody and just learned something or found out something I didn't know or they told me something that was incredibly fascinating. So it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time rather than just one time. It's like driving down a road, you know, a beautiful road in West Virginia where you see, oh that's that's a beautiful scene or that's a beautiful sight or that's a beautiful tree or that's a beautiful overlook. It happens a lot. And that's, mm-hmm. that is what, um, that is what happens more often than some big aha moment.
0: That's such good advice. I think it's good advice, not just for radio, but for everything that we do in our communication space. Cause so much of what you no. do and I do are similar in a way, but listening, if you listen, you can really find the great connection and the great opportunity and, and turn it into something that's even more valuable to people. Uh, I think that that's boy, that's, that's such good advice with two teenagers in my house, you know, (laughs) we're working on listening all the time. Um, but no, no, I think that that's right. I think, you know, I, people say, you know, when they ask about, when I talk about the show that, that really, as I told you before was a podcast born out of COVID really, um, and an opportunity to connect with people when they ask who my favorite interview was, it's really hard to pick one or two because each and every one is so different because we're talking about, you know, the background and the space. So many people, you know, fell backwards into politics or fell backwards into uh, journalism or fell backwards into whatever they're doing. Some people though, really, they start from a very early age loving it and knowing it and wanting it. So um, I think that's great advice. And I love that because I think that that's probably true Tell me a little bit about how you prepare for your show. Two hours is a long time to be on the air and talking about the issues of the day, as much as there are so many. Tell me about your process and how the format is for your show.
1: Sure. Um, It's broken down into four segments an hour, uh, five segments an hour. And four of them are a little bit longer. And so then there'd be a total of pretty much eight segments. And I'm looking at it on multiple levels. I don't book that far ahead of time unless it's somebody that's, that's, that's hard to get. So I might be working on them for, you know, a couple of weeks, but um, I still, I'm kind of thinking about it all the time Mm -hmm. and think, okay, and I obviously write down notes and and keep ideas down say, well, that would be good. Maybe I could get get that person in or maybe I should do something on that. And I might be working on that and say that might be for tomorrow or that might be for next week or that might be, you know, next month. And then there's uh, stuff that just happens, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, for example, yesterday, Governor Jim Justice, the big story was Governor Jim Justice announced he's running for the Republican nomination for governor. So we knew that was coming. I mean, Senate. So we knew that was coming up. So a, a week ago, I said, OK, I want to get Governor Justice on. And I had him on today. Then mm-hmm. it's like, OK, there's going to be some reaction. Who else can I get to speak to that? So it, it's, it's it's an ongoing process that has multiple levels to it. And then sometimes it's you know, 10 minutes before air and like, okay, I've been trying to get this, trying to get this. Oh, okay. I just got this. Or sometimes it's during the show and I'm in frequent contact with our newsroom and the newsroom will say, well, this just happened.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: let's have a reporter come on and speak to that.
0: Uh, so yeah.
1: it's, it's an, it's an ongoing process um, that happens at a lot of, that happens at a lot of different levels and, and just sort of comes to just sort of a piece it together. That's so great. So at 10 o'clock I'm ready to go.
0: Hopefully. And well, and and, and and I'm sure that there are probably plenty of times when the newsroom says, you know, there's breaking news and you have to really readjust and being yeah. flexible is probably a really p- big piece of that, too.
1: Absolutely. You have to be re- you have to be ready to pivot. Things happen. So be ready to pivot and not and not let what you have scheduled get in the way of what's happening. Cause sometimes things happen You're like, well, I've got this schedule, but now I have to change because there's something more pressing that's happened. And that's, mm-hmm.
0: that's,
1: that's news. That's, that's doable.
0: Yeah. How big is the, how big is the team at Metro news?
1: Uh, we have about, about seven reporters
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: in our Charleston office. And, and then we have uh, a couple of, um, a couple of affiliate stations that have news people in them Morgantown there's two people there Martinsburg there's there's one uh, Beckley there's one uh, so we also have affiliates that have news people there so there's a lot of resources to draw upon
0: Oh that's great That's so great And so everybody's kind of ever, and it's a big state that's not that's not a big team for a huge state like yours
1: no it it's not, but it's a really good team
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh Jeff Jenkins is our news director, vice president of News and he's been around for a long time and he's just a consummate newsman and he's on top of it and and it starts frankly it starts with him and uh he is just um does a wonderful job and he has built a good team so we're we're in good shape. We have good people uh work very hard and um that's but it starts with uh having good people
0: well. That's so true. And it's so great to know that you have that kind of team in place. I have to believe that um, you guys probably all have a nice cadence and you all work together well. I mean, lots of news coming out of your state. Your governor is, to me, so fun to watch. He was especially enjoyable um, in the uh, early days of COVID. I know that he was, uh, you know, just he, he... He has an authenticity about him that I love about this is not a political statement. This is a statement about all politicians. Um, I Mm -hmm. love that authenticity. And that, to me, uh, really speaks volumes. It's very interesting to watch him. Um, And I think that that's true of probably, I mean, you have got a U.S. senator that's also quite uh, authentic. I love that about uh, your elected officials there in in the state. So that must keep you guys um, laughing and enjoying yourself uh, when you're covering the news.
1: Yeah, and uh, you're talking about Jim Justice, mm-hmm. Joe Manchin, Shelley Moore Capito. Mm-hmm. They are very, they're very good uh, on the personal relationships. And Justice is just—I mean, he—he he has this sincerity about him, and I, I believe it's real mm-hmm. uh, about his how much he cares for people and for the state. And that's infectious. Yeah, that's infectious. And he. Um, People like being around him when he goes somewhere and takes his pet English bulldog with him. Baby dog, that's an attraction. <laughs> uh,
0: I so didn't know um, that. Okay, now I'm looking out for yeah. the dog, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, to Google, Google Governor Justice and baby dog. You'll see some interesting interesting pictures. So, And Joe Manchin a really good retail politician, as is Shelley Moore Capito. And um, you're familiar with West Virginia. West Virginia, and I don't say this in a pejorative way, pretty much everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. and if you don't know them you know somebody who knows them
0: yeah
1: so it it's it can get it can get a little testy at times but it's also quite collegial because everybody knows everybody
0: yeah
1: um and uh, that also makes it easier for news gathering because you don't have to know 150 people
0: yep
1: you know you just need to know a handful of people I love um uh, yeah
0: I absolutely love that. And uh, I remember that being true. I, I spent uh, the first early probably eight years of my career in the New Jersey State House and in that space oh. and covering state government to me and do, working as a communications person. That was, the to me, the best training ground of the world, because just as you said, even though the state population in New Jersey is quite different than West Virginia, uh, there is a collegial and a great sort of connection that happens in that, that that network that really is a lot of fun to cover. I know, too, though, Hoppy, in my research, that you are also, uh, in spite of being true blue loyal uh, voice of West Virginia, also someone who travels quite a bit. Tell me a little bit about your adventures.
1: Well, uh, thank you for asking. Um, I... uh... I got it when I was in college i'll try to make this short but when I was in college, my college roommate had traveled. he got out of high school and he traveled uh, to the Middle East and beyond before he went to college. So it was a year older than I was and he kind of got me in this in, in uh, interested in travel so when I graduated college I, um, I traveled uh, by myself, I backpacked through Central America and and part of South America and I really got the bug and have since then have been able to travel a lot um, I've been to Europe a few times, uh, Eastern Europe, um, been to Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, Singapore and Hong Kong. And uh, my wife and and I went to a few years ago, went to Ireland, been to Italy, different places. And I really, really enjoy that. I I just I think it is so eye opening Mm -hmm. uh, to go other places I experience other cultures and also it makes you appreciate home.
0: I was going to ask. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, especially so, as someone who's, uh, who's reporting inside the state, also good to have that good vantage point and that good perspective, um, in the mm-hmm. work that you do every day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: That's so, I mean, and it's so, um, I think it's so relevant now, so important because as much as the world feels very big, the entry of social media, the entry of all of these um, connected ways that we are now more than ever before makes the world feel a little bit smaller. And the news really is relevant. I mean, it's important for people to understand what's happening, not just, you know, locally as much as that is very much the top priority for everyone. Um, It's also good to have that point of view and that perspective. So that's so great. But how did you deal with, I mean, we were all grounded for all that time during the pandemic. Um, Were you, were you traveling, sort of virtually? Were you? What were you doing to keep yourself busy during that unusual time?
1: Just working. I didn't. I, I was able to come to work. We were able to separate here, yeah. and I uh, got all my shots and everything. And yeah. um, so we were able to uh, stay working. And I, I just worked. You know, yeah. I just came to work. I mean, it was. A, the other part of it is, he um, said that, that it was a huge story. It was right. Yeah, and and so every day, I mean, and, and in fact, we did. We expanded our coverage. I'm on Monday through Friday, but I edited a Saturday show. Uh, really? When yes, yeah, so I edited a Saturday show when when um, some of the special loans were available. When people when unemployment was expanded, so that people knew how to get the additional unemployment. So we expanded coverage. So that there was more work. So it was it was um, it was a time to work. Yep. And that's what we. I uh, think that's
0: what a lot of people did, people. yeah, mm-hmm. and people were really counting on you, wanting to I mean, you're someone yeah, exactly. they trust, right so good yeah. for you to be able to to share information like that in terms of you know not only vaccinations but regulations, what's happening in the government, what's the governor saying, all of those things. I have to believe there was a big emphasis on that um yeah. and really- i mean and
1: this is i'm I'm kind of proud of this, I know it's not the most exciting thing, but we added these Saturday shows because if you recall, people could have apply for expanded. Uh, extended unemployment benefits yeah. if they got laid off because of the pandemic or were furloughed or whatever. And there was so in West Virginia, we went from you know 5,000 people with claims to 100,000 people mm-hmm. with claims. And it was new and confusing. So we would have on the head of uh, Workforce West Virginia, which handled that and take questions and and explain things and help people get get their uh, the benefits they were entitled to. So again, it wasn't the it wasn't the sexiest topic. It wasn't the even the most compelling topic. But I think it was helpful, and yeah. I think it was informative, and and I think it was a service.
0: Absolutely. So-
1: we did things like
0: that. Yeah. And I mean, that was so incredibly important. There were so many resources, places that people could go, but being able to come to a trusted source for information and how to get access to what they need really was, was something that I think people are searching for. They were searching for a, a reputable voice, right? I mean, there was so much mm-hmm. misinformation that was happening at that time too. And I, you know, there'll be autopsies about how it was handled for the rest of our lifetime. But I think more than anything, it seems to me like being able to come to a source. I've always listened to Hoppy. He's going to tell me what's happening. He'll have people on there. That's a great resource and great that you had well, done you. that. So you as you evolve and you grow, cause it's, you also, I mean, as in the radio business, right? Because we're always uh-huh. changing and growing. What kinds of new trends, what kinds of new things are you on your team looking towards are there other ways to expand and grow are you guys happy with the way things are today and you're keeping steady tell me a little bit about as you're looking into the crystal ball for what's the future for your show and your broadcast
1: um yeah the I'm not the most – I don't think I'm – I mean I appreciate the question. It's a legitimate question. Probably not – the as, as a person who's probably on the – who is on the tail end of their career, I'm not exactly on the cutting edge of all things that radio should, should be and will be doing in the future. But I will tell you this, that I mean clearly it's changing. People, as we talked about earlier, uh, people want to listen to things when they want to listen to them. They aren't necessarily going to be glued uh, to the radio. We think radio still has tremendous uh, tremendous value. Uh, especially local, especially local radio, but uh, we're, we're certainly we've pivoted much more to uh, information advertising on websites, uh, where people are going more frequently to get their news, and a lot of our advertising is shifting toward um, toward websites. So that that's how the industry is um, is changing primarily, mm-hmm. and. Um, and, and, you know, we have competition from Satellite Rate. We have competition all over the place.
0: Absolutely. I mean, every,
1: everything, mm-hmm. you know, from you, from you, from everybody who's doing podcasts, <laughs> and, you know, and, and people can seek any kind of entertainment they want at any time they want. Sure. And one, one of the things we've tried to do as a company is to stay local and relevant. Yeah. Because, um they, I think people still desire, want to know or need to know what is happening in their community, whether it's at the city council meeting or whether it's an event that's coming up. So we still feel strongly that that's important information that, that we uh, you know want to be able to push out to people right. because you can listen. Look, I have satellite radio in my car mm-hmm. and I listen to that, but it's not going to tell me what's happening in my community. Right. So, uh, there's still, there's still a, there's still a strength there. There's still a lot of potential there in, in super serving your community.
0: Totally. So, agree. so
1: regardless of, so whether it's over the air on the website or in podcasts, we're still focusing on that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's the one thing that we always hear about when, you know, people are talking analysts about media and coverage and information. We look to, you know, some of those local newsrooms that have really struggled um, and that have had to, you know, have had acquisitions and had other things that have happened, but there still is like a really big craving for that access to information about what's happening at home. Um, what's happening in my state? What should I care about? Are there deadlines? Are there opportunities? Are there things that are coming up? Um, and that too is a resource regardless. And it looks to me like, even though, I mean, you're not going anywhere. We're not going to let you go and any, retire anytime soon, of course. But like we talk about that. We talk about what could be next. And the truth is, is that just staying relevant, I think, is what's the most important right now. Because yeah. as much as we consume national media It's really, I mean, it doesn't really affect what's happening right here at home. I mean, it does, but there's a long tail, right? It takes a little while. But, you know, what's happening in the local school board? What's happening in, uh, you know, what examples happening in Morgantown that we should care about over here in Summit Point? um, All of those things, I think, are much more important to families and listeners today than ever before.
1: I, that is that's a really really good point, and it used to be all politics were local, and now it's all politics are national because our race, our political races, have been nationalized. Our mm-hmm. news has been nationalized, and some of that's because of the uh, 24/7 news cycle, and some of it's because of the disappearance of of local news, whether it's on radio news or primarily newspapers. Mm-hmm. You know, the newspapers drying up, and so now. We migrate more to national news, and national news is obviously very, very important, but some of that is geared to uh conflict and controversy, and we get pretty worked up about that stuff mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's 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 some of it is um, is not as important. Uh, frankly, as what, as you said, what's it's, happening at the school board it's, meeting. Yeah, you, you it's know,
0: junk meeting. food for your brain is the way I like to think of it. Yeah, some, of, know, it is, yeah, some you, of it is, some
1: of it is. Don't, I, don't I don't want to dis, dis national news because I no. I do think there's a lot of it that's very, very well done. Of course. I'm just saying that I don't like that it's substituting for for local news.
0: That's right. And I also think too, and that, that's not at all perceived to be a knock on national news because there are some amazing, amazing resources. But I do think that there is this um, I blame more social media than ever before for like that mm-hmm. the quick flash and the junk yeah. foodie kind of stuff that we're, you know, what someone said at one moment, it, it would be news today and by tomorrow we'll be on to the next big flash, right? And that's, it's, it forces us to, as from my point of view, it forces us to live in a, in a state of always being, um, um, well, just ready for the next crisis. Right. And I don't think that that's a very healthy way for us to live. And that's why I prefer to know what's happening at home, what's happening in my local school board, what's happening nearby. I mean, I still read, I mean, I read the weeklies, right? I love those guys. I love, I feel like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think that there is a real need. And by the way, it feels good. There's a lot of great stories in there about, like, the local athlete who's done amazing things or the family that's made a contribution that we wouldn't otherwise know about. And I, so I still love that. And I love that um, they still exist as much as there are fewer of them today. So, Hoppy, as we get to the end of our conversation today, um, I always like to ask for a recommendation for someone for a future episode. Is there someone that you think I should talk to for another podcast?
1: Yeah, I would recommend a guy by the name of Michael Tomaski. Do you know Michael Tomaski? I do not. Michael Tomaski is a Morgantown, West Virginia native. He is he's written several books. Uh, he is now the editor of The New Republic. He is a he is a he's a liberal guy. And I don't say that in a pejorative way. Mm-hmm. It just happened. That's his politics. He's liberal. And, and he's a – but he is not an ideologue by any, by any stretch. He wrote a book recently, If We Can Keep It, about uh, threats to democracy in this country, which is very well-reasoned, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he would be outstanding. He's very thoughtful, very smart guy, and I think he could provide some wonderful insights for you. Michael Tomaski, editor of The New Republic.
0: Awesome. I've got him on my list. All right. I love it. Um, That's terrific. And I will tell him that you nominated him. And, Hoppy, I am thrilled to pieces to have had a few minutes to visit with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you're very kind. I'm flattered you asked. Thank you very much.
0: And there you have it another episode of the Friday Reporter podcast in partnership with PR Daily and coming soon to a platform near you on Big Wig Podcasts. See you next week mm